All right, what's up, Northside family? Great to see you all. My name is Mike, and it's been way too long since I've been here, so it's so good to be back with you all. I want to welcome those that might be joining us online today. So grateful for you. And we kicked off a little series that we're just walking through a book in the back of the Bible called Galatians. It's actually a letter that was written by a guy named Paul who was hand-selected by Jesus to get the good news of God's love out all over the first century world. And he and his team planted churches all over the place, including this area known as Galatia. And like all of God's word, this letter is timeless and it is relevant. And uh, we got groups going on. We got study guides available. These are available out in the lobby uh, today if you want to stop by and get one and start tracking through it. I would just encourage you to jump into this study of the book of Galatians. Like I said, it is timeless and it is super, super relevant. It's all about finding and following someone, namely Jesus, who is real, authentic, honest, and true. Because Jesus Christ is the one that leads all of us to real life. And that's refreshing, isn't it? Because it's so hard to find something real these days. It's so hard to find something that's just authentic. I ran across a site that asked, what if brands were really honest with their marketing slogans? And these kind of made me laugh, like this one, WebMD. Convince yourself you have a terminal illness, right? You ever search that place? You think, I got that. What about this one? Victoria's Secret. Lowering women's self-esteem since 1977. <laughs> I love this one. Chick-fil-A, you'll crave us on Sundays. <laughs> just honest. This one. Frosted Flakes, they're okay. They're just okay. They really are. They get soggy. Akia, uh, uh, we throw in extra parts just to mess with you. <laughs> if you've ever tried to put together one of those things, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I love this one. Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you because you're probably in a sketchy neighborhood. <laughs> That's a lot more honest, right? So in this letter, Paul encourages the original readers and all of us to go after things that are real. He, he encourages them and us not to revert back to the old ways, not to abandon the good news of God's love and go back to chasing some performance-based uh, religion that, that's full of rituals and rule-keeping, the kind of relationship with God that just fills you up with fear and makes you try to fake it. So, so Paul urges us instead to live and breathe and move in the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Like Aaron taught us last week, the people originally receiving this letter were being pressured by false teachers, twisting things, saying Jesus isn't enough. So Paul writes to them and he says this, I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. Let me read that again. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let me give you the honest branding slogan of religion. Religion, spell D-O. Religion is all about doing something to appease a God you have ticked off in some way. It gets you running, striving, performing, pretending, seeking approval from God and other people and not necessarily in that order. It can make you judgmental. It gets you sizing people up, looking down on, you know, those people 
all the while setting yourself up as the standard for what's right in this world. Religion is saying, just give me the checklist. Show me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to say, what I need to wear, where I need to go, at what time, when to stand, when to sit, what direction I'm supposed to face, and I'll do it. I'll do it. And if I do it good enough, then maybe, just maybe, I'll earn a spot in heaven. Religion is spelled D-O. Here's the branding phrase for Christianity. Christianity, spelled D-O-N-E. It's not about what we do. It's about what's been done for us on a bloodstained cross. It's not about our goodness. It's all about his. It's not about keeping a bunch of rules and rituals that don't change the heart. It's about living with a heart that's just blown away by the kindness and grace of God. And now we do good things. We do right things, noble things, because now we're motivated because of what he has done for us. Huge difference. Look what Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 16. He says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, the Old Testament law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. We talked about this the last time I was here, uh, how the Old Testament law was a shadow of things to come, how God used the straight edge of the law to show us just how crooked we really are, how all of us desperately needed a savior. Paul, who is the writer of this letter, he was a former big time religious guy who describes his transformation over in the book of Philippians chapter 3. You ought to read it sometime. He lists his impressive religious resume. And after he does that, he concludes by saying, you know what? I count all that stuff as garbage. And then he says, I just want to know Christ these days. That's all I want to do. I just want to know Christ. And look what he writes here in Galatians chapter 2. Kind of lengthy, but let let me read it for you from the message. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a quote-unquote law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identify myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ, and my ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or, or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. And the life you see living in me is not mine, but but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I'm not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? And I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. Years ago, I read a great illustration by an author named John Lynch that really resonated with me personally because it was my story. And I read that thing, oh my goodness, that's me. So I just took it and rewrote it for our own purposes here today because I think it kind of sums up what Paul is getting at here in in Galatians. So I go on this journey of discovering God, 
And I come to a fork in the road, and I see two signs, one saying pleasing God, one saying trusting God, pointed to two different roads. And so I stand there thinking, okay, so trusting God, what, what is that? I mean, it just sounds so ethereal, so, so, so vague. What, what, what is that? I mean, no one ever, ever has told me about God's love. No one's, no one's ever really told me about God's character. But I have heard that he's a real stickler for the rule. So may, maybe, maybe I ought to follow his commands. So I look at these two signs and go, okay, I don't, I don't have a clue what this is, trusting God. It sounds like I have nothing to do but pleasing God. Pleasing God. You know what? I can probably give that one a shot because maybe my dissatisfaction in life all stems from the fact that I haven't been pleasing God or, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe he's punishing me for all these years of just not doing what he wants me to do. So at the very least, maybe I ought to stop ticking him off. So I set off in the direction of pleasing God. I think, you know what, maybe if I just do better, then my life will be better. Maybe if I please him enough, I'll get on his good side, things will start changing, and maybe I'll even earn a spot in heaven. Now, on my way down this road of pleasing God, I'm comforted to see that the the path is pretty well-worn. It's definitely been well-traveled. Lots of people have been up and down this road for a long time, so I just keep walking until I come to this huge, impressive-looking building bearing a sign that says, be all that God expects you to be. And I think, you know what? I am a hard worker. I am a driven kind of guy. I will do this. Yes, I will rise up and I will meet all of God's expectations of me. I will try super hard to please God or at least appease God. And maybe that will change everything. So I walk to this huge front door and I see a little sign over the doorknob that reads self-effort. And I think, well, I got this. I've been doing self-effort all my life. So I turn it easily and I walk into this enormous room with grand architecture, stained glass, marble, and full of lots of beautiful people. A friendly hostess meets me there and says, welcome to the Cathedral of Good Intentions. And I think, well, that sounds pretty good. I like to be seen as somebody with good intentions. So I say, thanks. You know, this just might be exactly what I'm what I've been looking for. How how are you today? And before she answers, the hostess pauses for a moment, reaches in her purse and pulls out a mask bearing a thin smile and says, I'm fine. I'm just fine. How are you? Well, the entire room grows silent waiting for my response. And I say, well, honestly, me, I'm a little screwed up really struggling with some things, feeling kind of empty. I kind of feel like I'm on the outside looking in. I'm feel kind of lonely. I got some big time questions about life. I got some big time questions about God. I'm pretty frustrated. I'm not really who I want to be. I wrestle with envy. I wrestle with anger and insecurity. And she cuts me off and puts a finger to my lips and hands me a similar mask. And I look around now and everybody's wearing one. And since I want to feel accepted, since I want to fit in, I start thinking, dude, don't get so real and vulnerable here. You know, this, this is how you get in with these people. And you know how important it is to be in. So I slowly bring a mask to my face and say, oh, what I meant to say was I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm just fine. And with that, everybody turns back to their conversations. I start walking around and I notice 
There are rules posted everywhere. All kinds of lists that say things like, do this and God might be pleased. Signs like, behavior modification will set you free. And there are warning signs posted at every turn saying, this room is under constant divine surveillance. Don't screw up. And I see one on one wall that I'm sure they left up after Christmas that says, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. So I think, well, maybe, maybe that's just the way life works, you know. I mean, these people, they seem, they seem to be happy. At least that's what the, the mass portray. They seem to be sold out to doing things right. Maybe, maybe they are discovering that pleasing God or at least keeping him from being displeased is what brings you deep soul satisfaction. Maybe it is about keeping all the rules and doing all the religious rituals. That Maybe that's what changes everything in a person's life. And I try. I try really, really hard. I try really, really hard. I say, I got to give this a shot. So I try. And days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years. And I can't help but notice how, how many people in this room aren't happy. They even sound a bit cynical, a bit jaded. There's very little joy, lots of judgment, lots of pride, lots of smoldering anger. And when they do slip up and lower their mask, I see traces of pain and hopelessness and the exact same emptiness that led me to start my journey in the first place. And I try hard. I mean, I really do. But I say to myself, if this is what it takes to be in, I don't want to be in. And the stifling atmosphere of the room and, and the tightness of always wearing a mask makes it hard for me to breathe. And I'm tired of keeping up appearances. I'm tired of faking it. And so feeling emptier than ever before, I make a run for that door and I promise I'm never, ever setting foot in that place again. And I'm just guessing some of you have been there too. So I retrace my steps and I end up right back where I started. And I look at the signs again and go, pleasing God, trusting God, two roads. There's got to be a third road, like a combo road or something, because I don't know what this is. Trusting God, this just seems so like I'll have nothing to do, but like... Trust God. And I can hear those voices in my head from the Cathedral of Good Intentions saying, come on, man. You just got to stop that. You got to do this and do that. You got to commit more. You got to try harder. You got to be better. You got to be holier. Just get in line and keep the rules. And maybe, maybe. So I start walking down the road of trusting God. And I notice it's not nearly as well-worn as that other road was. And I'm thinking, if this isn't the right road, if this does not take me where I want my life to go, then I'm done with this whole God search thing. But I got no other game plan. There was no other road, so I just keep on walking. I know I don't want to go back to that where I started. I don't want to go back to that joyless mask-wearing place either. So as I continue to walk, I come to another less impressive-looking place, kind of simple, kind of plain. Got a welcome mat by the front door. Got some pretty flowers out front. And a small sign above the doorknob that says, humility. I stare at that doorknob a long time. I mean, a long time. And I think that's it, isn't it? And I have tried so hard 
I've applied all the self-effort and all the willpower I got. It's left me frustrated, insecure, and I've just run out of ability. I've run out of answers. So I just stand there and I cry out, okay, God, if you are real, if anything good is going to come out of this whole deal, then you are going to have to do it. Because I have tried and I have searched and I'm tired and I'm empty and I'm lonely and I can't keep doing this anymore. God, you, you got to help me. And with those words, I turn the doorknob of humility and I walk inside. As soon as I step through the door, another hostess approaches me with a kind smile and says, welcome to the room of grace. And I say, uh, Thanks. She says, how are you doing? Well, I'm not falling for that one again. So I dig through my backpack and I pull out that old mask from the other place and I hold it up and I say, I'm fine. Yep, I'm just fine. And everybody in the room gets quiet and all eyes are on me. And being gun shy from the last experience in the last room, I start to interpret their stares as stares of judgment of me. So I just throw down my mask and say, you know what? All right. Here's the deal, I'm not fine. Haven't been fine for a long time. I'm tired, I'm guilty, I'm lonely. I am filled with regret. I got a mountain of shame in my life. I can't make my life work. I struggle with envy and lust and anger and bitterness. I mean, if you knew half of my daily thoughts, you would kick me out of your little self-righteous club. I'm not fine. As I spin on my heels and head for the door, I hear a voice from the back of the room say, that all you got? All right, I'll see your bad thoughts, your guilt and envy, and I'll raise you compulsive drinking, jail time, and bankruptcy. You better have more than that on your puny little list if you want to play in our league. And I turn back around and everybody's smiling. And the hostess leans over and says to me, I think he means you're welcome here. And that guy from the back of the room walks through the crowd and embraces me in this huge bear hug. And I'm welcome into a family of kind, painfully real and vulnerable, honest people who are experiencing this thing called the amazing grace of God. And I look around, there's not a mass to be found anywhere. I see no endless lists of rules posted, no creepy surveillance signs, just a few signs that say things like, come as you are. I look on that wall, it says, no perfect people allowed. Over here it says, your past does not define you. You are priceless to God. Hope for everyone. Those signs are plastered everywhere. And there's a big banner across the front of the room that says, the room of grace is a me too kind of place. Let's work on our lives together. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. As I walk around the room, I see passages from the heart of God plastered on the walls like, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you have been saved. I see another one that says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Another one says, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, 
but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And I see this one from our current study in Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Then I turn around, I see this verse about pleasing God from Hebrews 11, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And I stand there realizing that what pleases God is when someone humbles themselves and trusts God to do what only he can do, to take away sin and shame, to give people a fresh start, to give hope and freedom and joy and life, to radically transform a human heart, to give the gift of eternal life. And I stand there thinking to myself, it's all about what he has done. This changes everything. So I want to welcome you to the room of grace today. Here at Northside, we believe that the end of image management, the end of approval seeking, the search for real life and meaning and purpose and deep soul satisfaction stops right in front of the God of unfailing love. I'm talking about Jesus Christ who gives grace to anyone who will humbly seek after him. I'm talking about the God who laid down his life on a cross, the one who took the rap for our sin so that we could be incredibly declared not guilty. I'm talking about the eternal God who rose up from the dead so that you and I could live forever. That God, the one true living God, extends life and hope and salvation to anyone who is willing to drop the mask and surrender to his love and his leadership. Gang, trusting God is the beginning of new life, eternal life, and an astounding inside-out transformation. There really is grace and hope for everyone. You don't get your act together, and then you come to God. You come to God just as you are, past and all, questions and all, confusion and all, no mask, no fake and fine, no pretending. You just humbly come. You need to know something about this place. You're welcome here in the room of grace. I know as you look around, it seems like a lot of people got their life all together, but there's a lot of messiness here. Some of us have wrestled with all kinds of sexual temptations, with pride, with ego, with materialism and greed. Some with bigotry, profanity, with porn, with alcohol, meth, heroin, you name it. We battle envy, lying, bitterness, gossip, out of control tempers. Revenge, stealing, cheating, broken relationships, and some really bad decisions. But you also need to know this. We're a bunch of people also learning to trust God, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We're learning to let his love define who we are. We're learning to lean into God's spirit and apply his truth for the freedom he wants to give us all. We're learning to walk a new direction. We're learning that God's love loves us as we are, but he loves us way too much to leave us there. And like this great sculptor, he wants to put us on the wheel and put his hands on us and just lovingly mold and shape and chisel and transform us into his absolute masterpiece. And as a result, a whole bunch of us in this place are walking free these days. We're finally walking with deep soul satisfaction and purpose and passion and a heart that's full of gratitude. There's lots of changed and changing lives in this place. But it all starts 
with walking down the road of trusting God and humbly embracing Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. This grace, this hope, this clean slate, this new life, this eternal life is for everyone. I'm talking porn stars or painters, punks or preppies, prom queens, principals, pediatricians, plumbers, Pharisees and pharmacists, presidents and pastors. God wants all of us to be in. My daughter Jody struggled a bit in high school with all of this, went down some pretty dark paths, came back around to find the unfailing love of God in her life. And God has done an amazing transformation in that girl's life, and I'm so proud of how God is using her. I mean, God's love just flows out of her. Uh, back in her early 20s, I believe she wrote this little spoken word piece about her journey. And she just simply called it in. And she wrote this, I have wanted to be in. To be in the in crowd. In the loop, in the know, among the proud. Not left out, but to be allowed to be in. I have wanted to be in. Wear clothes that are in style, a trendsetter, versatile, just the right cut and the perfect smile. I have wanted to be in. To be looked at as, as someone who has much, all the in music and such, on the latest, the greatest, all the in stuff, I have wanted to be in. But I have felt aggravated, frustrated, unappreciated, slated as someone who is underrated, unimportant, unknown, unseen, average, mediocre, routine, beneath, below, beyond a chance, inconsequential, insignificant. But Jesus liked people like me, took notice of a blind man and made him see, saw a locked up kid and set him free, told little Zacchaeus, come out of that tree, felt that when a desperate woman touched his cloak, knelt beside a dead girl and up she woke, hung out with the down and out and broke, offered words of hope to the forgotten with just the words he spoke. Touched a man with leprosy who others would mock, Touched the mouths of the mute, and at once they could talk. Forgave a woman at a well who was the laughing stock. Came to lowly shepherds who smelled like their flock. In the company of sinners is where he would eat. Defend an adulterer, make her accusers retreat. Made followers out of men who were crooked cheats. Let the tears of a prostitute anoint his feet. And suddenly, dramatically, miraculously, undeniably, they were in. In his story, in his truth, in his grace, in his purpose, in his eyes, someone great. And I have wanted to be in. And since the day I met with him, he took all that I have been, my fear, my shame, my sin, and changed my life by letting me in. Our God is greater than the past that drowned me, stronger than those chains that bound me, higher than the shame that found me. There's no one like him, none like him. This is for everyone, including you. So maybe right now it's time just to drop the mask, drop all the image management and just get real with the God of grace because he really wants you to be free. He wants to set you free from religion and rule keeping. 
He wants to set you free from people pleasing and insecurity. He wants to set you free from whatever addiction you might be wrestling with. He wants to set you free from unrealistic expectations you place on yourself. He wants to set you free from shame and regret. He wants to set you free from fake and fine. He wants to set you free to really, really live. As you've been hearing in recent weeks, this is a baptism weekend. And I want to encourage and challenge you to embrace the good news of God's love for you. To today, accept the invitation to follow Jesus. Step down in the water today and just bury your past and rise up to walk a new life with the help of God's Spirit. That could happen in your life today. We got towels, we got t-shirts, all the stuff you need to do that. And what we're going to do, we're going to stand up here in a minute. We're going to worship together. And as we worship, I want to encourage you, get up out of your seat. Just walk down to the front. We'll meet you down here on either side of the stage. And we'll have people prepared to baptize you as soon as the service is done. And we'll celebrate with you. So why don't we stand up together. Let me pray, and then we'll do all that. Father, like Jody wrote, there is none like you. None like you. And God, I thank you that you turned my life and so many people's lives in this place around. We were walking down a dead-end road, trying to impress you, trying to impress other people, trying to do enough good stuff to get noticed. trying to keep all the rules perfectly so maybe, maybe someday we'd make it to heaven, but we weren't sure or we'd done enough. I'm so grateful for the day I found that other road. Let your Holy Spirit say, come this way. So, Fathers, today we stand, we want to say, we just want to trust you. We want to humble ourselves, put our lives in your hands, and embrace what you have done for us. We know we are made right with you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so today, God, I, I pray that many in their heart today would take that step down that road. And that they would walk into the water and just start a brand new life. God, I, I know that some came prepared to do it today and they'll be making their way. But God, I know there are others here that just say, okay, yeah, today's my day. I'm taking that step. I'm going to turn the doorknob of humility and I'm going to walk into the room of grace and I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. God, I pray it happens today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the way you love us with an unfailing love. And so right now we just worship you uh, in spirit and truth with hearts that are about to explode with gratitude. And we do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together.